Good afternoon and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick. We have something new to play for you today that you're going to hear before the rest of the world hears it. And there's a story behind it that our return guest, our friend Chris Big Dog Davis, is going to tell us about Chris Big Dog Davis, the twice Grammy-nominated producer, keyboardist, songwriter, arranger, performer, 17 Number one Billboard Smooth Jazz hits to his name. Learned his early licks right here in Haven in the studio to tell us about this new song we're going to preview and his friend Stevie Wonder, who's on it. Good morning, Big Dog. Thanks for coming back. Good morning, Paul. Thank you for having me. So we're here. To, we're going to start. We got a lot to talk about, but we're going to start by talking about listening to a new song. There's a single called Don't Make Me Wait Too Long. It's coming out February 13th by Kimberly Brewer. Uh, you are the producer and keyboard player co-producer and keyboard player on the track. You can pre-order it now. And tell us, who plays the chromatic harmonica on this one? The famous Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. I know it, it was like, took a minute for me to even get the name out of my mouth. <laughs> and you produced a new single that we know is going to go places. I co-produced it with uh, a good friend of mine. name is Byron Miller. Byron Miller. Uh, was George Duke, bassist, and also he produces a lot of records and an incredible uh, artist and musician. And it's a remake of a song Steve Wonder wrote that Donny Hathaway and Roberta Flack uh, recorded back in the day, Don't Wake Me Wait Too Long. And in producing this, we're going to listen to it in a moment so people can hear it. In producing a song like this, Big Dog, what do you do to make it your own? Like, what's the challenge in producing a song that's already been on the charts? Um, as I said, uh, Kimberly called me and she said, big dog, I want you to actually just play on this track, listen to it and tell me what you think. So I do what I do. And, um, Kimberly and I has been working together on a couple songs prior to this one. So it, you know, it worked out all good. So. I was I was excited. I didn't know that she was going to put Stevie and Joe and all the rest of the people on top of the song until I heard the uh, final mix. And uh, that's why I'm here today. I wanted to share this with the world about, you know, for me, from where I'm coming from, uh, Connecticut, Waterbury, born and raised, and to end up on 2023 having a song coming out that I produced, co-produced, and also played on, and it also have the greatest artist that I ever known, Stevie Wonder on it, and Joe. What I love about it is that, you know, Stevie Wonder is known to most people as a singer, songwriter, and keyboardist. You're playing the keys, and he's blowing the keys. He's doing the chromatic harmonica, and nobody does harmonica like Stevie Wonder. does the chromatic, which if our listeners don't know, a lot of times you pick up a harmonica, it doesn't have that extra button, lets you do sharps and flats. 
you're usually doing it for like country or blues type or folk type songs that stay within a very limited range of notes. Right. And then Stevie plays it like a much different kind of instrument. I would argue it's almost like a, 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 a cross between a reed and a key, a keyboard. Like, you know, he bends the notes, but in a much different way from a traditional um, harmonica in that it's got the sharps and flats and it takes you places the way his music takes you places from the realms of jazz, gospel, funk, soul, yeah, Pop. Stevie. Stevie's in that room. Stevie's in that room, like from a harmonica playing with Toots Tillman. You yeah, know, that that type of thing, man. So, what were you thinking playing when you played the keyboards and knowing that he wrote the song? What was your approach to playing the keyboards on the song? Did you want to play it quite like it was done in the original version, where you bring something new to it the way you usually do? Well, that's why they get a hold of me. They call it the big dog flip. So okay, what's the big Kim dog flip? Kimberly wanted the big dog flip up there. So I, <laughs> I put, I listened to, you know, it's like watching an old movie when you remake a new movie or when you remake a new song. You try to keep the naturalness of it, what mm. people remember, and then you begin to put your own little thing on top of it so because you're doing it in a different era a different generation what was the original song was it in the 70s yeah i don't I, we I can find that was, but anyway yeah. you're talking about 50 years almost later so we're in a different world but there's something that's timeless about music about a movie that you remake and then there's something that we ha hear a little differently when it's a new day right right is the can you is there a way to describe sometimes music we can over i can over talk it sometimes you just got to hear it before we hear it, is there something about the approach you took to the keyboards that did update it while respecting the original? Well, and it's looking at the genre of that Kimberly Brewer and Joe is putting this in. So back then, it was into more adult contemporary R&B. Mm -hmm. This is going into more smooth jazz, mm -hmm. trying to get this on watercolors. Watercolors don't do too many vocals, but... Mm -hmm. When you have a name back there, say Stevie Wonder, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it does it does a lot. So it's it's a different genre, but the reason why I wanted to uh, highlight this song is because, like I said, how many times do we get to produce or play on a song that Stevie Wonder's on? So that's it's the honor of a lifetime. Oh man, it's one of my biggest. I that was. that and Carnegie Hall has been two of my uh, biggest for me. <laughs> well, Chris Big Dog Davis, co-producer of the new release, which you can order now, but you can't hear any of it here until February 13th. Don't make me wait too long. Kimberly Brewer on the vocals. We're going to take a listen to it right now.
too long folks you're gonna have to wait till february 13th to hear that again but you can pre-order mm-hmm. how do we pre-order it Christo? i think it's online no. you can go and type in kimberly brewer kimberly brewer uh, it's on uh, social media don't make me wait too long spotify all the digital outlets it's a remake of a song recorded originally by Donny hathaway and roberta flack written by stevie wonder it is the new version is produced by the man, co-produced by the man in this studio right now, Chris Big Dog Davis, our twice Grammy-nominated producer, 17 number one Billboard Smooth Jazz hits. Maybe this will be number 18. And I, I wanted to correct you. I do have 18 number one. Oh, ones, you do have 18. Yes. Sorry. As of 2022. So maybe this will be 19. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, Big Dog plays the keys, and more importantly, he does the... Um, he does the co-producing as well as Stevie Wonder does the harmonica on this. Now, what was a couple of things that are interesting to me about this big dog. Number one is you obviously the spoken part at the end with the rhythmic uh, coming to the foreground. I'm taking I take it that was not in the original. That's one way you updated it, right? Yes, and as I said, I did my part, and then it went out to L.A. Mm-hmm. with uh, Byron Miller. So, um, like I said, I did my part, and then when I heard it, when I did my part, Stevie wasn't up there I, I had no idea so what was it like when you found out stevie wonder was playing with you on a track that's why i'm here today <laughs> <laughs> so one thing couple of things you know at first i didn't realize realize when we were listening to that track i didn't realize at first that i was listening to steve's harmonica like i was thinking back for some reason this is very obscure he played a great harmonica solo on a recording by a um, woman named rory block i don't know if you're familiar with her the blues guitarist but she was in the 70s and 80s and he did one on the 80s with Gypsy Boys, this beautiful song, and it wasn't a blues song. And it was one of those more pop in his genre where it kind of splits the keys with a little surprising chord twist. And it was a solo, so you don't hear him until he comes on, and there's Stevie taking the melody in a different direction. On this song, I feel like he was in the mix pretty much from the beginning, and then it breaks, not, not break for solo, but carrying the tune, carrying the melody at certain points, and other parts... Yeah, Mo, Mo becoming part of the wall of sound there. Is that accurate? Yeah. You know, as, as a producer, sometimes you may want the artist, uh, Stevie, give me a little more. But you can tell in this production, I mean, this is Stevie Wonder. You know how many times yeah. he done played a solo or a melody? So when I when I hear it, my perspective is, that's Stevie. As soon yeah. as they come in. I agree. Oh, you hear it right away. Right there, I go. Well, "Ah." the other reason it took me a moment, he, as I said, he plays harmonica different from so many people. What's that wind instrument that's a little bit like a piano that reggae was using so much in the 70s and 80s? You know what I'm talking about? It's like a clarinet, but you play play the keyboards, but you blow into it. Yeah, I forget what they call it. But he plays the harmonica almost like that, and I think he brings his approach as a pianist. It's a keyboard on, on top of the like, harmonica, harmonica, and he plays the harmonica. It's its own instrument. I feel like that's Stevie Wonder playing harmonica 
in a way that doesn't sound like anyone else playing harmonica and it it melds into the rest of the track like i said when you listen to stevie music even from my perspective as a keyboard player uh when you hear a clavinet right when you hear a bass moog Mm -hmm. that's stevie and then Uh when you hear his also his drumming stevie stevie does drums on a lot of his recording Mm -hmm. too and of course the harmonica so when that sound comes on Man, as <laughs> soon as I heard it, when, when I, she sent me the final mix, and, and and you know was telling me who was up there. I'm like, when was that? When did I get that? I think it was last year. Was it before or after the Berks Jazz Festival in the Berks years that you played? This was actually, I think it was before. Because then that summer, you we were talking about this before we went on. You organized, you hosted, and produced a whole tribute to women in jazz at the Berks Jazz Festival in the Berks Jazz Lift Summer. Yeah, and that was last summer. I mean, 2022, I'm sorry. Yeah, we did That was uh, we did a, uh, a thing for Stevie, all Stevie Wonder songs. Like what were some we, of the examples? Superstitious? or Oh, man, keeps going. I mean, just keep going. Jungle Happy Fever. Birthday. Uh-huh. Happy Birthday. Um, these Three Words. Once in My Life. Super, or is that going back far? Superstition. Uh, <laughs> man, it was... It was Huge, and that's where I finally met Kimberly Brewer. And living for the city, of course, growing up, that was my favorite. All day. <laughs> I mean, that's such a great rhythm track. I and mean, then when he goes to the with the um, episode where he has the conversation between, yeah, that you was can just, just keep going. And that was on Top Forty Radio. That yeah. was just amazing. You can you can keep going. So at the end of that concert, you got a surprise. Here you did a concert, Women in Jazz, doing tribute to Stevie Wonder, and what happened? Well, um, once again. My good friend, Kimberly Brewer, surprised me. She's such a sweetheart. She's been with Stevie. Her and Mesa, uh, they was on Jungle Fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually sang backgrounds on these three words. So um, she's been hinting at me like, I'm going to connect you and Stevie. You know, I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. So during the concert, um, it was during a break. And they showed, uh, Stevie chimed in on the whole show so everyone can see him. He's on a big video screen. He's on a big video screen. And what were you doing at the time? Um, I was there trying to get all the artists together, (laughs) get ready for the second half. And it was like, big dog, look, look on the screen. So it it was a big surprise. And what did he say? Well, he listened, but well, well, he he said things. He gave, he gave me a big shout out. He gave, uh, John Onesto, which is the, uh, the big guy down there for the birds who runs that, but mm-hmm. he, he gave me he gave me a, a motivation. You know, what I mean, he shot Brenda out. Hammett so, says hearts and, and thanks that for it, Brenda. That excited me, you know, and I was like, yeah. So I came home that Monday and I began to work. I was I I love working, so so I'm in the Stevie mode. So I I start composing this song called Saturday Love. Mm-hmm. So as I'm composing Saturday Love, the phone rings. And I don't know the number, so I go, hello? <laughs> and the person on the other line go, how was the show? I said, how was the show? Yeah, then you just do a show? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I said it went fine. I said, who is this? He said, Stevie. I said, Stevie who? He said, Stevie Wonder. I was like, huh? For 20 minutes, we talked, and... um I was just blown away. He said to me, 
we're going to work. We got work to do. He said, big dog, we got work to do. You and I got work to do <laughs> in this universe. You know, he's a very, just well. Did you ever see the thing you did when he did the tribute to Bill Withers, sitting with Bill Withers? It was it Grandma's Hands? I forget. Or, it's really yeah. beautiful. You know, I, he's still doing interesting music. Yeah. Listen, I never met him. I never was in the studio with him and I like that. You know what I'm saying? Don't you think it says something that a guy who, you know, one of the leading musicians of the last half century, more than last half century, in the Berkshires, Massachusetts, after all his fame, all his awards, Hall of Fame, you know, million-selling records, he actually went on the video that night to thank you, actually, you know, pay tribute that you were doing his music, music and keeping yeah. it fresh and open, and then called you to talk about it and connect. I think that says something about him as a... Without meeting without him? Without being stuck up, you know Never what I mean? being in the studio with him. I can't wait for that moment to sit across the piano from him. Yeah. You know As he I talked mean? about, because, you know, he was, um, he was, a, was he 11 or 12 when he had the, um, the first hit that when he was a kid in Motown, Fingertips. It was number one yeah, hit we, in Yeah, we opened with that. That's the song oh, I opened up with. Yep. And he tells the story about, you know, he was blind, right? And he was driving in some, you know, he was a, already a celebrity, a little kid, and, and how he had to learn not to be thinking he's so good and better than other people as a kid. And he learned that lesson. He sure did, because celebrity is a hard thing to, to yeah. adjust to. And can you, and to stay can you human. imagine he was on the Motown? They had the big tour. Mm -hmm. He was the drummer. Oh, wow. For Marvin Gaye. Wow. When they come on, Stevie played drums, man. He had to be like eight or nine. Then they brought him on. <laughs> then he did the fingertips. You know what I mean? Yeah, can yeah. you imagine that? He was on drums first. Wow. That's, How did he get started at that age? I Oh, man, we all started. I started at four. Playing so, in the church, right? Work, yeah, right? well, on, on a piano, my mother, they said, you know, I started playing the boogie-woogie mm -hmm. on, uh, on the porch. She had a piano on the porch, so, hey, man, I went in, and uh, thank God for my mother. God bless her soul. She's seen the talent, so. and I ended up here on Dixwell Avenue at Yale After School Program. I remember you talked about that, that's Yale what, School of Music, when you happened. were still in high school, yes. and then you went to the heart, you know, and then yep. it was a, all there was history. Jackie At what point, what point did Stevie Wonder's music enter into your consciousness in that? Songs in the Key of Life. So in the early won, 70s. I, yeah, I won, the, I won the record. I brought it home. My mother was like, what's that? The, 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 there were a few records at the same time he made. It was um, Songs in the Key of Life, Talking Book, Inner Vision, 72 mm -hmm. to 76. Tell me yeah. if it was like that for you. I mean, I wasn't a musician like you, but yeah. those albums were like they changed the universe for you because he's in the pop mode. He's on top 40 as well as R&B. It's got a real funk bass to it, but he's going places because of where he's going with the jazz chords. The, the layers of production are so interesting and he'll weave in and out of something's like an AB format or whether he's going to take it somewhere else. And it still fits. You know, he still fits in a way that everyone could understand it. Barry Gordy. Oh, okay. He know how to take it, yeah. to market it, and to get it into... He was such an original who brought it all together. So you were on that record. You must have been, what, about 14? Steve, oh, yeah, man. So what did that do for you as a musician? Changed my life. I wish. Dun, 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 dun. So, I mean, you know, we was in that room. And that was the Moog? The bass, yes. That was when he did the bass line yeah. like that. That was the Moog. That was also kind of new. Because yeah. he had sort of like the art rock people who were trying to figure out the sympathizer, you know, Rick Wakeman, yes. But Stevie really had a beat to it. You know what I mean? He, and he had a rhythm. He had instinct time signature. Once again, 
Barry Gordy. Okay, he the always marketing. knew how to take that. Well, it's, it's the marketing. We all have talent. Mm-hmm. We all do. But it's to get it to the mass of, of uh, consumers. Mm-hmm. That's the... Well, Big Dog, you know, you had classical training. You had jazz training at Jackie McLean. You obviously had, you know, you're in the smooth jazz realm, but you also had the gospel. And the. so I guess what I'm trying to drive at is how did Stevie figure into that? Because he's another figure who combines all those different streams into yeah. accessible music. So I was just wondering, was there any, when you got that record and brought it home and played it and blew your mind, did it affect what you were doing with your music? Did it affect the way you thought about the different training you were getting with classical music, jazz music, and what you were hearing on the street with what yeah, was happening of, of with course. R&B? Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan, all the talent. He goes into the NBA. He's winning dunk contests, winning everything, but he's not winning a championship yet. Mm. So he's got all this training. So what they had to do? Phil Jackson had to get a coach to start putting everything in layers so Mike can understand. For me, it's the same thing. I was gospel. I had jazz. I was everywhere. And I remember I was like 14 years old. So now what you see, now you see the Michael Jordan of jazz with me. Because now <laughs> I know how to put it. But aren't you also the coach? I mean, aren't you Mesa's coach? Aren't you Kimberly's? I mean, I, well, you kind well, of put it I don't, together. I don't look at his coach as, as a producer. But what I mean is you are the producer. In one sense, you're this wonderful performer and writer. You're also making other people shine. If you won't look at it that way, me, I don't look at it that way. I, okay. I, I think we all make each other shine. And I take what they give and make it happen. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So it's not do I take their less of or their great of. I take whatever they give. And that, if that's what they have to give, I make it and put it down. I have a perspective, a vision, and then I go in and make it happen. Do you have a favorite Stevie song? They all. <laughs> it's kind of hard. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, Ribbon in the Sky. Oh, I love that one. That's yeah, a beautiful man. song. Beautiful. I mean, wow. Stevie. That's why I'm here, Paul. Uh-huh. Because some days I go Stevie, right? And then some days I go, Stevie. Wow. <laughs> My grandkids will be living off of that. Man. That's true. And we're talking to Chris Big Dog Davis, who is a star producer keyboardist, songwriter, ranger, has a new single out. He's a co-producer, keyboardist with Stevie Wonder on a, a chromatic harmonica sung by Kimberly Brewer, Don't Wake Me Way Too Long. Can I shift gears here and play people uh, a track, uh, a, a recording of a concert you, a song from a concert you played at Stetson Library? This was actually one of my favorite performances of 2022. Really? It was a fantastic evening. There was magic in the other day. Diane Brown, the librarian, put this together with a real sense with Long Wharf Theater because there's a Jerry Morton show and you were doing a tribute to Jerry Laura Morton. And what I thought was brilliant about it was it had some of his music, but a lot of it was about the role he played in jazz. I'm calling, you know, the event right, jazz. A lot exactly. of people get called that. But you showed through other kind of music what his influence and what his story was. And you brought us there with it. Without, I mean, you, you said great stuff between the songs, but it's really the songs. And I thought one way was Brian Slattery had a great write up on The Independent about when you were playing The Entertainer. And it was always been improvised. It's, it's a rag written right, by, by yes. Scott Joplin, which actually he did not, if I understand it correctly, Scott Joplin had this very kind of classic notion of ragtime, that it was going to be written in a score, played the same way every time. But of course, that doesn't fly with jazz. And as oh. we know, and because he wanted to see, I think he had a little bit of a, 
they'd be looking down on the jazz people, Joey Morton, who played in the whorehouses or something. But like, you know, but, but in fact, the music was bigger than the person. So now you go back, you, you go ahead more than a half a century, and here's Big Dog at Stetson Library playing the entertainer. Some, you know, a lot of people found it a second life to it in The Sting as a movie in the early 70s. Right, yes. But then you added a new twist to it. So what, can we take a little listen to it? Absolutely. This is the entertainer. Was quite a performance. That was Chris 
Big Dog Davis playing at Stetson Library last August. And a tribute to Jelly Roll Morton that included some Jelly Roll Morton music, but that including Scott Joplin's The Entertainer. And oh, what so a rendition. Good. Now, you talked about that night. You were trying to show us about jazz, and that's what Jelly Roll Morton's real legacy was, jazz that got greater than he was. Yes. And you made that song, The Entertainer, much more than Scott Joplin, even though it was a great piece when he wrote it. What, you talked that night about the need to improvise. When you planned out what you played that night, because you were, you were deep in it, were you improvising? All day. I mean, at the way you went at the end. All day. But you still laid it out. So you played alone for the first half. We thought it was over, right? You had the break. And then in came the bass. In came the right. drums. And you were going all different places. The vision of it taking it to Scott, Jelly Roll, Big Dog. Mm. Those patterns. As I'm playing. And there's more than one big dog. Because you kind of had right before the other instruments came in, it went in this kind of smooth place, right? Yes. But then I kind of felt you step back when they came in. I felt that was back in like bop maybe for a it, minute. It, it started that. And then you, you know, went back to where you're doing the modern sound. I want to give a shout out to uh, the bass player and drummer, which was uh, Ace Livingston and mm -hmm. Dexter Petaway. Man, that's, that's my team right You guys there. are hot that night. Man. But what were you saying about music, about the universality about, of music? That improvisation and jazz, what I've been taught, you can play anything, actually. But you know what I mean? It all, as Miles Davis was saying, it all has to make sense. It's got to make sense, though. Just, and there's a meaning when you have a label like jazz. And there's also limitations. So when Miles Davis was going to play with Jimi Hendrix before then Hendrix tragically died, there was some kind of fusion there where they were listening to each other and playing each other and the categories, kind of the bitches brew and the, and the Hendrix, you know, yes. acid rock, it kind of fused a little bit. You know what I mean? So at that concert at Stetson, after you played Kansas City Stop, you played Stormy Weather, you then played Cindy Lauper's True Colors. No, and it was jazz when you played it. It wasn't just jazz. Right. People didn't used to think of that as jazz. So how do we think about that? Why did you put that in there? And what does that say about the way you view music and boundaries? I, I think that had to be because of the artist that was singing that, which is the incredible queen of Connecticut, Dawn Tallman. Oh, yeah, she did a nice yes. job. Yeah, so... Um, and. And you kept going back. She kept there. Oh, yeah. more on that. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she's jazz. And, uh, and you know, Miles Davis did a Cindy Lauper song. Really? Yes. Which one? I, I can't think of it right now. Uh, what's the name of that song? Girls Want to Fun? No. No, no, no. It was, uh, 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 what's that song? It's okay. Don't worry about it. Miles did. But he, 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 he did that one. Uh, mm -hmm. That's when he had the red horn. He was going more into the fusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, part of it. Uh, what's the name of that? Well, I guess one thing I'm Breaking asking, Big Dog, isn't it always important in music that the people who really do music, the real pioneers, people like you, you have very specific influences, Stevie Wonder, jazz, gospel, and there's something bigger about music to the people where you play it where you then do see beyond the boundaries and that music is music. Yeah, it's I'm like people are people. See, because a lot of people, you have classical people People stay there classical. They may listen to other music, but their forte, what they're known for is classical. R&B singers, uh, you know, folk, country, pop, you know, rock guitar, people that. When you, when you get to absorb all of the uh, music, and as a producer, 
uh, I work on, I'm working on a uh, new documentary. I'm scoring one as we speak right now. What is it? It's called Tomato Soup. <laughs> and it also uh, by, um, who helped me score that? It's Gerald Albright's daughter. Her name okay. is Selena Albright, singer. And we've been scoring this together. And it, it's uh, it got uh, the very famous comedian Michael Collier mm-hmm. inside there. So uh, I've been scoring this, and it it comes with. It's just not music. It's I have to look at themes and pictures from there, and to make what's it about. Tomato soup is about a homeless guy. If you know about Michael Collier movie, he he always been he was homeless. They met him on the street. He's a big comedian star now. But so it's kind of based around that, and it's based around uh, taking ketchup. A little kid went to the restaurant and got a cup of hot water, and they put ketchup inside there and made tomato soup. It's incredible. Oh, wow. It's incredible. So I'm honored. To be scoring. So you're working on scoring. I wanted to ask you what else you're up to. So you played South Jazz Club in Philly on January 5th and 6th. How'd that go? That was that, there. That was beautiful. Unscripted Jazz Series. Yeah, I got the uh, Burks coming up April 1st. Mm-hmm. That's Women in Jazz number two. All right. And I have uh, that on that card is Regina Bell, the great Regina Bell, mm-hmm. Avery Sunshine, Lori Williams, Mesa, Jasmine Gent, uh, Karen Briggs, and Kayla Waters incredible uh the women in jazz number one went so great that we're doing a number two what made you want to do women in jazz that's them whatever they call it's not me they go hey big dog uh Uh, women in jazz we'll give you a bunch of women write some songs and last Uh, time we did stevie wonder what are you gonna do this time women in jazz number two and what's the music gonna be jazz women in jazz uh specifically the women in jazz the first time we focus on um, the old traditional jazz, Sarah Vaughan, okay. and all of them. This time we're going a little bit more up into more the R&B mm-hmm. of the women. But all it's just all women. Aretha Franklin. That type of thing, respect. Mm-hmm. We're doing a couple of things like that. So, it's, it's, you know, it's just showing what women bring into the music. So you haven't nice. stopped. You haven't stopped since like the 1970s. Where do you see the music taking you? Where is Big Dog, when you sit down at the keyboards, when you're producing a song, you're putting together a set, where are you now from where you used to be? Where I, can, do you see, I how, can go anywhere I want to go. It's my vision. You, 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 people do music. Mm-hmm. I do music visionary. So I have to see. Once I begin to see it, it all, it all comes to me right there. So that, you got you to gotta see it first. And I, once I see it, then I go get it. I have the tools to go get what I see. Mm-hmm. And you had a, um, you have any rec- recordings coming up? You got yes, I, I have a new single coming what's, out. What's that? It's called Sailing. I did the Christopher Cross. Oh, Sailing. Yeah, yep, yep. Take Me Away. That's going <laughs> to be a big hit for me. I'm going to be really and see what you do with that. Oh, that, people, it, that already, can go. That can I go. put it on uh, social media the other day. I got like two hundred comments. People going, "Oh, because that's a song that cries out to be done differently." So we hear it the way we hear it now. The way we heard that one in the seventies was a very different kind of vibe. I got a different the world's vibe. changed. I have the famous Gerald Albright with me mm-hmm. on sax. And, and what do you do on the rhythm with that song? Because that song needs some rhythm. It's got some stuff up there, man. Mm-hmm. Trust me. I trust you. And when's I, that coming out? June twenty sixth. All right, we're going to be listening for that one. 
And um, let me just take you through here. And you know, Chris, one thing we always appreciate about you, you tour the world with the biggest names, the biggest stars. Now you got Stevie Wonder, someone you collaborated with and sees your value. And yet you never forget your roots. You never forget Connecticut, Waterbury, wow. New Haven. You are a, an honorary friend of Stetson Library and Diane Brown. You come back, you perform for the kids. Love you do your them. concert. Love, love her. You she brought so many of us of into the space, the new wonderful Stetson Library space. That concert was unforgettable. And you came in today to WNHH-FM, and we appreciate you so much. And you, Paul. And we're you, so, you, you take my energy and you take my music and you put it out on the airways. We need that. And I was so excited that you, you get it, got all these great projects to work. Thank you so much, man. So I know it's, it's a little bit old hat for you, but number 19, number one Billboard single may be coming out. With, it's coming. I, I, it feels good. It feels like don't make it's, me it's wait too come. long for number that one. That one or sailing. One, right. of, one of them going to hit. We'll take one of them, right? That's right. It doesn't matter. We'll let the fates decide. Love it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chris Big Dog Davis. Thank you, Diane Brown, for as always arranging it. Um, thank you, Brenda, for your comments, listening. And thanks to Harry Jaros, the number one pro radio producer in the business. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience performing. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free, talking about updates and uh, reimaginings. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night at WNHHFM. New Haven's home for community radio. Music